Father, as we uh, get ready to get into your word, I do pray that, Lord, you would, you would bless this time. I, I ask, God, that uh, you would speak to our hearts. I believe most of us came here wanting to, wanting to hear from you, wanting to receive from you. And Lord, I know you're faithful to minister to us, to speak to us. And so, God, I pray that as we go through your word, as we look at Paul writing to a group of people that, uh, Lord, are struggling and, and trying, to, trying to do life and they're messing it up pretty much, Lord, that, that God, as he shares his heart with them and mainly your heart with them, that it would impact our lives. And God, no matter where we're at in our walk, Lord, whether we're new, whether we've been with you for years, whether we're struggling, whether life is taking us down, I know, God, you have something for us this morning. So I pray, Lord, that you would be exalted in this time and that we would be strengthened, we would be edified in our faith. And we give you this time and we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, uh, as Pastor Rob said, I did this study a few years ago. And I, I wanna combine these two books together because so many people say that they contradict each other, that Galatians teaches one thing and James teaches another thing. And I wanna put them together to show that that doesn't really happen. We need to realize the guys writing the scripture, they weren't just robotically writing and the, the spirit working in such a way that they were robotically doing things. He used life. He used circumstances, he used situations in those guys' lives to get his word exactly the way he wanted it. And so, hey, there's things going on. And what, what I like to think about, here's an interesting little fact. Both of these books were written sometime between 48 and 52 AD. They were written almost the same time period. And think about what was going on. Paul was on missionary journeys and traveling around for homework. You can, well, I'll, I'll give you that later. But he's traveling around, looking at things and, and ministering and planting churches. James is in Jerusalem leading the church. So you have those situations going on. Paul writes to some churches that are, getting messed up bad, and he's trying to correct all of that, and it's some false doctrine that's going on, and we'll get into that later on this morning. But James is writing kind of a general letter, not to specific churches. He's writing a general letter saying, you guys need to understand what faith really is. So I like and think about, think about just the differences. James sitting in Jerusalem, Paul probably camping out someplace, doing what he's doing, and just how God used them to get exactly what he wanted to, to these two different groups. So you have that going on, and those are the similarities that are happening. Now, each one, addresses, as I said, addresses different issues. So they're gonna say different things. They're gonna write different things. They're gonna emphasize different things. They're gonna look at different things. But they're not contradicting each other. Martin Luther said of Galatians, he says, Galatians is my letter. He says, Galatians I'm betrothed to just like Catherine, his wife. That's how much he loved the book of Galatians. James, here's what Martin Luther says about the book of James. It's an epistle of straw. 
He didn't like James at all. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you know, Martin Luther would handwrite Bibles like, and, and give them out. When he, when he would do that, when he did James, he would put it behind Revelation. He just didn't, he just didn't like James. He didn't like the book, he, he, you know. And hey, you gotta understand again, his situation, where he was coming from, what he was coming out of, hey, it, it kind of makes some sense. So you have that going on. So that's what we're gonna do. So this morning, we're gonna begin Galatians and look at a few verses there. And then next week, we're gonna start James. And then through this study, we'll, we'll look at them kind of going back and forth. And I'm not sure if we'll ever do one where we do both together. Maybe we'll throw that in. But we'll, we'll kind of uh, bring them together and look at them. So Galatians, as we look Look at the introduction to Galatians. Uh, you know, I'm going to kind of give you a brief, brief uh, introduction as we go through because I know some of us don't like the long, lengthy things of talking about the background. But the background, the author, who's the author of, of Galatians? I happen to believe it's Paul. Here's why, because he said so. You know, it cracks me up when, the, when the, the guys who are the brainiacs, the scholars, the guys who want to dig everything out, they look at that and he says, Paul the apostle, and they go, well, we don't really think he wrote it. Well, he thinks he wrote it. So I'm going with him. I'm going to believe that Paul was the author, that Paul wrote this, and, he, and that Paul wrote this to some churches in Galatia. Not a church, churches. Galatia's not a city. Galatia is a region. And remember Paul on his first missionary journey, and there's, here's Acts 13 and 14. If you're not familiar, you can read those for homework. Don't read them while I'm teaching. Read them for homework. And as you go through there, it's interesting. He, he, he went on that little journey, and as he did that, he's teaching, and he goes to Antioch, Pisidian, then he goes to Iconium, then he goes to Lystra, and he goes to Derby. He goes to one, he goes to Antioch, starts in the synagogue, has some problems, and, and hey, the Jews come against him, so then he goes to Lystra and has a, 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 I'm sorry, to Iconium, kind of the same thing happens. Then he goes to Lystra, and that's where things really change. As he's in Lystra, Paul is sharing the gospel. There's a sick guy, they heal him. Paul and Barnabas pray for him, he's healed. And remember, they wanna make him a god. And Paul's going, I am not that, right? He backs him off on that, turns that. Well, while he's doing that, the guys are coming who were at Antioch and Iconium, and now they come to Lystra. And hey, they turned so heavily against Paul and the people against Paul, Paul was stoned in Lystra. And for busy people, that's it with rocks. So hey, they stoned him and... Uh, that's when he was left for dead. And I, in my mind, I have a weird scene in my mind. Like I think about, you know, it says, it says he was left for dead. When they stoned people in the Old Testament, they didn't just throw like pebbles at them. You know, like if you grew up in my generation, we threw rocks at each other, but we, we threw reasonable rocks. Some of you are going, really, people did that? Well, in Bisbee you did. I don't, I don't know if you did other places, but we had to have rock fights all the time. Well, when you got stoned in the Old or even in the New Testament, biblical times, it's big rocks. They wanted to make sure you were dead, and then they would pile them on you. Well, I always have this picture that they stoned Paul, there's a pile of rocks, everybody leaves, and then all of a sudden, and this is my, you know, superhero kind of thing coming out, all of a sudden the music starts, and one arm comes out, and another arm, and then Paul stands up, and there he is. So, hey, they thought he was dead, 
he came to life. I think, I think, I think he was resurrected and comes back into the city and it doesn't freak people out. They're even almost kind of madder and then he goes to Derby, and then he kind of backtracks through there. So that's, that's these churches. Now I believe, listen, I believe that's who he's writing to. There's a lot of debate. There's a huge debate and you can read pages and pages and pages and if you're interested in it, you can do that on your own. I'm not gonna explain all of that. There's what's called the Northern Galatia theory and the Southern Galatia theory. The Southern Galatia theory would be these three or these four cities that I'm talking about. The Northern, and here's the thing, the Southern would be regional. He's writing to a region. The Northern Galatian theory is an ethnic, more of an ethnic writing, a group of Gauls who came in, in uh, like 100 BC, came out of France and came down and settled in that area, Gauls, hence the word Galatian. They came and that's where they, they settled and it was more of an ethnic group and people say he's writing to that ethnic group, not to the regional group. And you know, I, I happen to believe he's writing to the regional group. That's just my opinion. You can go with either one, it doesn't matter. Now he could be writing to both groups. But he's writing this letter to a, you know, and it's not a general epistle. Obviously he's writing to an area. And then we get into what's Paul's purpose? And that's gonna come through loud and clear when we start this. Paul's purpose is to correct false teaching that's going on in Galatia. And he's very, very strong about that. He's very convinced that he's got to hit this head on and he's doing that. Now, uh, before we get into uh, verse one, uh, one other thing, there's kind of three just, uh, Galatians can div be divided up into three sections. It's easy, it's six chapters, so two chapters each. That makes it easy, right? The first two chapters are Paul sharing his personal heart and his personal life, getting into that, although still addressing issues, the next two chapters, three and four, are dealing more doctrinal issues and, he, and he's bringing that doctrine around. And then the last couple chapters get a little bit more practical, although I believe James is more practical than Paul is. You see, I think Paul writes more objectively and, and uh, 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 James writes more subjectively about how to do. One is more, here's truth, here's, here's how truth affects you. The other is walk in that truth and do that truth. So uh, although Paul does that in his letters. So that's kind of the opening. I don't think we need a whole bunch more background. But before we begin, I wanna, I wanna read this quote from Timothy Keller because I think it's good. Hey, you gotta remember, he's writing to people who are doing life. Don't ever forget that. As we read our Bible, sometimes we think, you know, it's some kind of, quote, organization or whatever. These are people, just like us, trying to do life. And they just got saved and they're trying to go through this thing called life and they're trying to figure it out. And I love what Timothy Keller says. Here's what he says, talking about Paul. We're going to hear him solving their life issues not through telling them to be better Christians, but by calling them to live out the implications of the gospel. That's powerful. Listen, because so often, here's what we tell people, you just need to be better. No, you need to know Jesus. And you need to fall more in love with Jesus. And you need to flesh out the implications of that in your life. So, as we begin here, verse one, this is why I think Paul wrote it. He says, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Now, 
my, my uh, part about they're not from men nor through men is parenthetical. I don't think that should be parenthetical. I think that's, that's just part of what he's saying. And here's, here's an interesting thing. If you notice when Paul writes his letters, that some of the churches he writes to, he says, Paul, a servant or a bondservant of Christ. And some he writes to and says, Paul, an apostle. And it's almost, it's, it's, it's not really split. It's more often he does a servant. But when, when Paul usually declares he's an apostle, it's because I'm, he's, wanting, he's wanting them to understand his authority. He's wanting them to understand when he's a servant, he's usually on better grounds with that church and in a better place. When he's calling himself an apostle, he wants them to know this is a, you know, this is an apostolic ministry. This is, this is where I'm coming from. And I think that's important. As we, as we read the letters. But then here's what I love. Paul has to straighten right here, right in the very beginning, he gets into correcting some of the bad teaching and bad doctrine going on and bad thinking right away. What does he say? Paul, an apostle, not, he says, listen, not from man nor through man, but through Jesus Christ, our God and, and, and our God and Father who raised him from the dead. He's trying to demonstrate to them it was not a man who made him an apostle. It was not a group of men who made him an apostle. I'm sure, I'm sure it was being circulated. Hey, Paul came in afterwards, right? Remember, he's not part of the original 12. And I'm sure it's the, the teachers who are trying to discredit what Paul has said in Galatia and taught in Galatia, they're going, oh, you don't have to listen to him. He's not an original one. And you know what? There was probably a group of guys that just said, hey, you're an apostle. And he's going, you need to understand something. My calling, my giftedness is not from man. It's not by man. But it comes from God. It comes from our Lord Jesus Christ and God the Father. And you know what, saints? When you realize what God has called you to, and you understand that God has called you to that, you can be a little bit more bold, not in a sense of arrogance, but you can be bold because you know that God has placed you there. Here's what I love to do sometimes. This is a great exercise. You can do it with just one letter or two letters, but go through and write down the autobiographical remarks Paul makes about himself and just write those on a separate sheet of paper and then begin to read them and you begin to understand that man as a man and his thinking, here's one of them. Paul was making sure people knew it wasn't an institution that made him an apostle. It was the Holy Spirit, and it was a work of God in his life, and he understood that. And I believe, listen, I believe no matter what we're doing, I don't care what we're doing for the Lord. You need to understand God has called you. That needs to be in your heart. You can't just go by what somebody says or even a group. Hey, even here, when we recognize elders or we recognize deacon or we recognize a pastor, we never, hey, we never make them that. We recognize what God has already done in their lives. We recognize that that's a truth that God has done. And we can't make somebody something. Only God can. So he says that, but, but then here's what I love, man. Right in the beginning here also, what does he do? He says, he says through Jesus Christ, and God the Father, and I love this, who raised him from the dead. What is the crux of Paul's message? The resurrection. Right in the beginning, man, he goes into the resurrection. And I gotta love that. We taught on that, right, last weekend and as we wrapped up, and, and here he is bringing that up. And then he says this, and all the brethren who are with me. 
This is one of the times Paul doesn't mention the brethren. He doesn't give us names. Oftentimes in his letters he'll say, so-and-so's here, so-and-so, and so-and-so. This time he doesn't give any names. He just says, the brethren who are with me. I believe, once again, because he's going to address something extremely serious. And it's not about the guys who are with him. It's not about anybody. This is an issue from Paul's heart to the church at Galatia, or churches in Galatia. So he's letting them know. So he says, hey, to the brethren who are with me, to the churches of Galatia. So that's his introduction. He's got a little bit more. He's got the, you know, the politeness they kind of did in that generation. Here's what I love in that generation. When they wrote letters, they put their name first. I always like that, right? Because our, our culture, you put your name at the end. And if you write a three-page letter, what do you do when you get a letter? Well, most of us don't get letters anymore. Some, the millennials are going, what is a letter? <laughs> it's a thing that comes in an envelope with a stamp on it. But usually people, and, and you got to get to the end to see who wrote it, right? I kind of like the idea you put your name first, and then you can tell if you want to, I don't want to read that. And you just kind of go on. So these guys put their names first, and then they would do, you know, they would say who they're writing to. And then they would kind of do a customary greeting that Paul is doing here, although he's really radically changed it through his writings. In verse 3, he says, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, hey. A lot of people say that's Paul's Siamese twins of, of his writings, right? Every letter he does that. And you got to understand something, though. I don't think it became just a rubber stamp thing that Paul did. Oh, I'm writing a letter. i got to write grace and peace to you. I think that was a genuine reflection of his heart towards the people. The grace of God brings the peace of God in our lives. And hey, when he writes peace, he's not talking about, you know, it's, it's obviously from the Hebrew shalom, but he wouldn't have written that. But hey, that doesn't just mean a cessation of hostilities. It means peace means you have peace with God and peace with yourself. It's a place where you're at, not just something that happens. And as he's saying, hey, you can't have, you can't have that peace without understanding the grace of God. So he puts them together for that reason. Again, not just because, you know, it's something he did. But he also, and he lets us know that grace comes and the peace comes from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Then he says this, who, talking about Jesus Christ in verse 4, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. Now, here's what I love, man. Did you pick up on something there? He says, grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself. Oftentimes we think the Father gave the Son, which is true. The Father did give the Son. But you need to understand something. The Son gave himself. He was involved. It wasn't an involuntary thing. It wasn't, you know, hey, you drew straws. I got the last straw. It wasn't like the Trinity's in heaven, you know, in all of eternity. And they go, hey, someone's going to have to fix this thing because I'm going to create. It's going to get messed up. Someone's going to have to fix it. Let's draw straws to see who's going to go. No, it's like the son gave himself. I, I love that idea. I believe from eternity past, Jesus has always said, I'm coming. Now, I know he wasn't Jesus. He was the second person of the Trinity. But hey, he gave himself. And listen, he gave himself what? For our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age. The cross 
is our salvation. And it saves us, what's the purpose of the cross? To deliver us from this present evil age. Now, as Paul expresses that, he's not saying you and I are gonna get delivered out of this world, because last time I checked, we're all here, right? Some of us aren't all there, I know, but most of us are all here. But we're here. And so how can he say he came to deliver us from this present evil age when we're still here? Well, he didn't come to deliver, deliver us from the presence, from being here. He came to deliver us from the power of this evil age. Saints, you need to know something. If you're born again, you don't have to sin anymore. Before you're born again, you kinda, you're just a sinner because you're a sinner and because it's in you. You get born again, you don't, you're free from that. The world, the world should not influence you and affect you. You have, you have been delivered from that and that's important to understand. And he says, listen, and that came according to the will of our God and Father. And then I love this, to whom be glory forever and ever, amen. Paul kind of gets into this and he kind of he does the end of the letter before he gets to the end of the letter because he's so excited about what he just wrote. For his heart, man, when Paul hears that Jesus Christ gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the presence of this evil age, here's what, here's what Paul does. Woohoo! yes! You know, sometimes as Christians, we grow and we get mature. Not good sometimes. We get all mature and we're going, well, I'm a mature Christian. I don't have those kind of things. Well, hey, you should still be excited about your salvation. And I love the idea that he goes right into that, man. And he says, hey, hey, he says, here's what Paul's saying in verse five. I exist for one reason, and that's to glorify God. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm, that's why I'm alive. And then, and then I love, you know, and then he just says, amen, may it be so. So that's kind of going on. Now, generally, in Paul's epistles, and you can check it out. You can go start reading some, because this is one way you can start, begin to outline them. Generally, in his epistles, the very next part, he gives a commendation Hey, I'm praying for you guys because of your strength in this or, or whatever. Even the church at Corinth, you talk about a messed up church, even the church at Corinth, Paul's saying, hey, I'm doing this. Galatians, nothing, nothing. He goes right into, listen, listen, he goes from that and verse six, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. No commendation, no I'm praying for you, no I've heard that you're doing well, none of that. He right away gets into, and here's what Paul's saying, I am blown away that you guys are turning so soon. He's not blown away by the false doctrine. Hey, he's been fighting that for years, a couple years. He knows the Jews are there to bring false doctrine. That's not he's, not, he's not like freaking out about that. That's part of life. Here's what he's freaked out about. You guys, not you guys, you guys, but the Galatians. Maybe some of you guys. He says, and he's not even, he's not even freaked out that they're turning. He's freaked out that they're doing it so soon. Did you pick up? I am marvel that you're turning away so soon from him who called you. It's like this, man. It's like yesterday you were so excited about Jesus and now somebody comes along and they tell you something else and you're starting to follow them. And Paul goes, I'm blown away. I marvel. I marvel that you would do that. And notice what he says. They're turning away from the gospel, but 
notice how he puts it. He says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. You need to understand something. You go with a different gospel, and we'll define that in a moment, then you turn away from God and Jesus Christ. You can't, you can't have a wrong gospel and still have Jesus. Oh, people are trying to do it all the time, but you can't. And Paul says you're turning away from him. When you're following that false teaching, you're turning away from Jesus. And, and I think we need to understand that. I think today in our generation, churches need to understand that. There are churches who are trying to blend things and do things and they're messing everything up. And that's a different gospel. Now, Paul here, when he, in this verse, when he uses that word different, he uses a Greek word that means completely different. Not even close to the same. Totally opposite almost. And then in verse 7, he says, when, uh, which is not another. So here's what's going on. Because some of your translations say that you turned away from another, or that you turned to another gospel. And then verse 7, which is not another. So verse 6, different gospel, completely different. Verse 7, another means one of the same kind, only different. And here's what he says, it's not another. In other words, it's not one that's even close. What you guys are following isn't even close. Because here's the truth. You add anything to grace, and you don't have grace. Can't add to it. And that's what they're doing. Hey, you're a Jew in the first century. Some guys come along and they tell you about this Messiah guy that died on the cross, rose again on the third day. And he's done these things. You go, wow. So you want to come. You want to believe. You want to be that. So you begin believing. And then all of a sudden, some other people come. They go, oh, you don't have to leave your Judaism. You can just blend the two together. And hey, circumcision, we all know. We know you have to be circumcised. We know that you have to keep the Sabbath. We know that you have to eat certain foods. You can't leave that. And that's exactly what's going on. You're a Jew in the first century. You come to Jesus. You have that piled on you. It's a tough decision. And here's what Paul's saying. Hey, you can't do that. You can't have a different gospel. And yet he goes, it's not another gospel. In verse 7, he says, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. Hey, they come in and they want to trouble you. That word for trouble is like when the, the disciples were on the, on the boat and the storm came and they're freaking out. That kind of trouble. And here's what Paul's saying. You guys are troubled inside. You're not understanding. They're coming and they're feeding you that and now you have that trouble and he goes, and they want to pervert the gospel of Christ and you need to take a stand. Do you, do you kind of get the idea that Paul's a little upset? And he's not upset, listen, he's not upset because somebody didn't like what he said or somebody said he was ugly or somebody doesn't like the way he presented things. He's upset because eternal destinies are on the line. And Paul's ready to make war for that. I, I understand that. I get super upset when people start picking on Jesus and the gospel. For this reason, I need Jesus to get to heaven. I'm not going to be saved without Jesus. Some of you may be good people. I'm not. 
And if I don't have Jesus, I'm not, I'm not gonna go to heaven. I know that. And you take Jesus away from me, then you've taken everything away from me. And that's what Paul is, is so, so feisty about. You know, some people back in the day when, when I got drafted, there was the big signs going on, make, make love, not war. Some of you were around in the 60s. If you remember the 60s, you weren't completely there. There's glimpses. Make love, not war was a big thing. And, and it kind of comes back around. And hey, I get that idea, but there are some times you have to make war. And I'm not talking about, I'm not talking necessarily about physical war. I'm saying there are times where we gotta take some stands and we gotta get, we gotta get ridiculous about it. And that's what Paul's doing here. He goes, they're perverting the gospel. And now I love, I love nine, uh, eight and nine. He says, but, in verse eight, but even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. And as we have said before, in case you didn't hear me, in case you thought you misunderstood me, I'm gonna say it again. So now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. Here's what Paul's saying. If anyone perverts the gospel of Jesus Christ, I want them to be damned forever. That's intense. He's not, listen, he's not, he's not like, he took off the gloves here and he goes, that's it. Why, why is he so harsh about that? Because salvation depends on it. And these Judaizers, these people have come in and they're ripping people off and hey, here's what I know, man. Legalists have very little joy in their life. You get around legalistic people, man, and their joy kind of goes down. And they wanted to bring everybody down in that pit, I think. And Paul's saying, man, you mess the gospel up, then his heart is that you be damned forever. Wow. And Paul, I, he repeats it, just in case, just in case you think I, I just blew it and I, I wrote something just emotional, I'm gonna say it one more time. And he says, I don't care who does it. And I, I, I like the idea, we, he says himself or those with him or even an angel from heaven, we know an angel from heaven's never gonna do that, but he brings all of that up and he goes, you cannot change the gospel of Jesus Christ ever. And he takes that stand and then, and then, Verse 10, I love this. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Here's what he's saying. You guys have called me a man pleaser. And you have said what I'm doing, I'm doing to please men. And I'm doing because men put me in this position and men told me what to say. So here's the thing. I'm gonna say, anybody doing this, they need to be damned forever. Now does it sound like I'm a man pleaser? Now does it sound like I'm gonna say things just to make people feel good? I love that, but there are some, there are some who do that. And I believe, I believe I'm not a lot different than everybody else. I know I'm weird, but not a lot different. I'm different of the same kind. But we all like to be liked. People like to be liked. You don't, you don't like it when somebody doesn't like you. You don't like it when, but some of us, some of us, we get carried away with that. 
and we're worried that somebody's gonna not like us because of a stand we take. Because of a belief we have. And in that situation, you become a man pleaser. And you're gonna say things just to please somebody, just to, hey, I don't want you mad at me, so you know what, I'm not gonna say that. And, and I think all of us, if we're really honest, and we go through ups and downs of that, of doing that. Sometimes, man, we're really strong in our faith, and woo, we got it together. Other times, you know, a little girl comes up to us and said, aren't you with them? And we go, no, I wasn't with them. I'm doing Peter. <laughs> so I, I get that, but there are some people who all they wanna do is please people. And that sounds good, doesn't it? Well, they're nice and they're gentle. And, and I know a few people that are real, real, real man pleasers. And that's a good thing, but it can be a weakness. And we need to be careful. And here's what Paul's saying. Do I sound like a man pleaser now? Now, here's what I know. I don't think Judaism is creeping into our fellowship. I'm pretty sure it's not. There are some people, there's some, that think we need to be doing certain Jewish things and et cetera. We don't. But I do know that some of us struggle with this whole thing of adding something to the gospel. We will judge people on how they're dressing, what they do, what they say, how do they conduct themselves. It's not up to us to judge them. We need to be careful on, on what we say. Now listen, I, I understand there's, there's times where you know maybe a morality issue is coming in. I get that, but saints, you can't take someone's salvation away just because they didn't do something that you feel makes you more spiritual. Well, they didn't go to this thing, so they're not very spiritual. Well, they didn't, they didn't do this. I, I, you know, I was looking and, and I didn't see them doing it. Why are you watching, number one? And we need to be careful. You know what makes you spiritual? The blood of Jesus Christ, period. And you start beginning to put other things and then you get into rituals, you get into certain rites, hey, you have to do this, you have to do that. And that's where huge denominations that get messed up, that's where they get derailed because they start following this instead of following him. And saints, we need to follow him. And we need to love him and we need to check ourselves. Hey, don't listen to this study and go, well, I would never do that. Maybe do a heart check. Hey, here's something that might freak some of you out. This will be fun. Are you keeping up with some of the stuff going on in the world and in Christianity? There's this guy recently, just released an album. His name's Kanye West. What do you think of that? Hmm. You gotta deal with that. I'm, I'm tickled pink. I love, I love the idea because some of you, you just hear that name and you cringe. Shame on you. Some of you hear that name and go, he's faking it. Shame on you. Why are you doing that? Do you want somebody to do that to you? Well, Pat, you don't understand. No, I think I do understand. And we shouldn't be doing that. And we hear certain things, and the first time you hear it, you gotta, here's what you know, whether you're getting a little legalistic or not. First time you hear that, how did you react? And check your heart, and be honest. Hey, here's the thing, I'm not, I'm not trying to call you out, I'm just saying, be honest with yourself and say, yeah, I heard that, and it kinda like, I didn't like it. Okay, now you gotta deal with it, and you gotta figure some things out. 
And you gotta be somebody who understands the grace of God. John MacArthur wrote this. Salvation is not earned by one's efforts to eliminate sin, but by one's trust in God's promise to forgive sin through the work of Jesus Christ. Is that good or what? Hey, saints, are you trusting him? I, I, I believe most of you in here are. But then we add a little thing like, how could a rapper who lived in such a life ever come to Christ? How big is your God? My God's big enough to save a rapper. Barely, but he can. <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> I, don't, I don't mind rappers, I just don't like their music. So, so, hey, but hey, can God do that? He can save anybody, right? What is, what is one, one, one person said it this way, you can never be so bad that Jesus can't save you. But here's the flip side, you can never be so good that you don't need to be saved. And that's where we're at. So, hey, Galatians, Paul's upset. Why? Because people are messing with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why. And I pray that we will always be a fellowship, always be a church who stands firm on the gospel of Jesus Christ, on salvation by grace through faith alone. We don't add anything to it. Let's stand up and pray.